Who won the wall for Westbrook trade? Can Wall coexist with Harden? Will Russ run the show in Washington? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am joined by Jared Weiss of The Athletic. Jared, we need to talk about this bombshell, blockbuster, whatever B word we're looking for, trade uh, of Russell Westbrook for John Wall and a pick protected. So what do you say? It's funny. Everyone keeps referring to this as a bombshell, and I don't think it is at all because I don't think this has much of an impact on the NBA. Because, <laughs> I mean, if John Wall is healthy, then I guess it does. But like, I don't think either of these guys are going to change really any of the fortunes for either franchise. You haven't seen all these videos of John Wall working out this summer? Yeah, John Wall always looks great during the summer. And then he's not in good enough shape. And then he gets hurt again. So... I mean, I I would be it would suck if if he gets hurt again. Then I think we're just like giving up on him at this point. That would really suck. Like he was an awesome player, but he's so far removed from the consciousness. I'm just not. I'm not. My expectations are not that high. Fair enough. I mean, going through his footage because I feel like the video I'm doing right now, uh, I need to reacquaint people because it's been almost exactly two years since he's been on a court playing basketball in the NBA. So people have forgotten. I kind of forgot. But when you do watch a lot of the finishes at the rim, he, he lands awkwardly every single time falling, getting knocked around. And so I was like, Oh, this is why he must be getting injured so much. So that's a real issue that, you know, doesn't necessarily go away unless he stops driving to the basket as much, which, you know, I think could be possible in the, in the Rockets scheme. Wouldn't you say? I guess, but then, like, how is he still an all-star <laughs> right. caliber player if he's not attacking the rim mercilessly? Okay, fair enough, because we uh, we do know that he doesn't shoot well. And interestingly enough, if you compare Russ and his, like, career output in the box score, it's pretty close. It's, you know, and then certainly the contracts are almost exactly the same, too, as far as money. So it was really interesting to see how, okay, this is, like, the only guy they could have traded Russ for, and the pick becomes large. But there is one thing I noticed in the stats, and that John Wall, believe it or not, is a lot better than Russ with catch-and-shoot jump shots. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, you know, what's fun. I mean, what's really funny about this trade is that they're so similar players. Like, <laughs> they're probably, like, two of the most similar players in the NBA to each other. But that's the huge caveat of why things didn't work with Russ in Houston and why things could work with John in Houston. It's just that not only is John Wall a better catch-and-shoot shooter, he's just a better three-point shooter overall. And there was a time when he was really, like, peaking at, what, 2016, 2017, around then, where his pull-up game and his, you know, his three-point shooting game was coming together. And it looked like he was going to turn into a an average deep shooter, which with his game would obviously make him like an all-NBA caliber player. And I wouldn't expect that to be happening now just because he's been off the court for so long. But I like this investment in that if they think that John Wall is like his legs are completely done for – then the possibility for him to continue to get better is certainly there. While Russell Westbrook, you're just hoping he can hold on to what he has at this point. Right. So, but at the same time, I mean, John's 30. So it's not like he's like this young guy that's like still got his like career ahead of him. It's just more that the player that he was when he was healthy is definitely a better fit. And if you give him a year or two, maybe he gets back to that player 
And that's enough if you somehow still have Harden on your team to contend still. Sure. Well, you know, I had thought I had some high hopes for the Rockets in the playoffs against the Lakers. It kind of felt like there was some evidence there that they could uh, hurt the Lakers Achilles heel of like defending the three and whatnot. Uh, And it all kind of imploded. Certainly the Lakers, you know, proved that they were a much better team and obviously got all the way to the finals and won it. So that wasn't really the issue because obviously the Rockets would have had to just play it out of their mind perfectly and that wasn't going to happen. But I think the reason why it wasn't going to happen was because it just out of all this, it seemed like they didn't like each other. And all the animosity that was like brewing and stirring and whatever with Harden and Westbrook and whoever else really just seemed to bubble over the last couple games where they just wouldn't play together. Um, that's just, that's my observation of it. I'm wondering if you had any more in-depth analysis to how those pieces worked. And I'm not asking you to like throw Russell Westbrook under the bus and say he's a lousy teammate that's been chased out of the last two places he's been in. But um, are you? Can you? Can we? I don't know. No. Is that true? No, Russell Westbrook is generally one of the most beloved teammates in the entire NBA. Yeah. It's just that his play style, just it, it doesn't fit. You can't. I mean, it's as simple as that. You can't win with a player that can't shoot at all from outside of 15 feet. And he's just he's become a a mediocre mid-range shooter. And he's a he's just a terrible deep shooter. And he takes a ton of them. And he he hasn't been able to really adjust. And he had that that stretch, you know, in early 2020 where he adjusted properly and he was playing on an all NBA level. And that's why he made the LNBA teams, but like that didn't last at all. Right. And, 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 you know, just, I mean, the drop off was just so severe and he got to the playoffs and his inability to do anything scoring wise, especially in that system. It just, it made him just completely useless. He was like the fourth or fifth best player on that team, which was just insane. But I don't think that problem is going to be nearly as bad with other teams that don't run such a, completely like you know centralized system the way that they do fair enough well what, and by the way i want to make sure that i acknowledge it yeah he was playing his best basketball i'd ever seen him play just before the uh before covid hit Agreed. and then let's not forget he got covid and that disrupted him coming back to the bubble and um you know who knows how that affected or didn't affect him you know going forward there but um okay so fair enough I, let, let's just you know i, I won't i'm not going to hang that on his head i won't really talk about that in the video too much um, and, you know, listen, uh, guys are best friends with a lot of people, and it, uh, that's sort of like the default setting a lot of the times, and you're never really sure if that's completely accurate. Uh, but what we could tell was it wasn't working. They weren't getting along. Uh, they weren't meshing in a way that you'd need to if you're going to be a fourth or a fifth or a third seed in the conference trying to, like, you know, have an upset. You, you just need to be better. You need to have more of a, a fit on the same page with all those players. If you're really good and they don't get along, that you know, the Bulls made that work. Work, right, but um, but not in the Rockets' case. So let's talk a little bit about the pick because I think people are interested to see this might be if Wall is healthy for a year or two, then then that kind of might be a wash between the players. But uh, does Houston end up winning this um, uh, deal if the pick conveys? Yeah, I mean the pick will convey at some point, and considering that they got rid of all the draft capital to get Russ. The fact that they were able to get some draft capital back to get off of him is definitely a miracle. And I, you know, they're the one team where taking on John Wall uh, was actually like a pretty was a pretty like good, just even without the draft pick conversa- draft pick compensation was a pretty good move for them because I think they they're better off trying to 
get John Wall healthy and living with whatever type of player he is at this point than continuing on with Russ. Uh, And you don't think, yeah, go ahead. Well, just, I don't have much more to say than that. It's just, I I just like, there's just so much John John wall at 50% capacity, I think is still better for this team than whatever Russ is at this point of his career. That's fascinating. I don't know if 50, it might be, they might need a little bit more from him, but um, because again, uh, they could get more in terms of like in transition, Wall can give them everything and more that Russ gave him if he's healthy. But getting back to the, to the uh, pick, let's just go over really quickly what the uh, conditions are, because obviously it would convey eventually to two second rounders. But first, before that happens, uh, this is a delayed pick. This isn't for next year. This is for 2023. Uh, the, that first time that it comes back, uh, it's lottery protected. And if, it, if it's in the lottery, they don't get it. In 2024, it's top 12. So if it's top 12, they won't get it. And then in 2025, it's top 10. And then by uh, 2026, it's top eight. So it's, you know, I don't remember too often seeing a trade like of this magnitude where they have to wait uh, over a year for that. Uh, eight years. <laughs> yeah, for a pick potentially that long. Um, but here's what's going to happen, right? Um, Russ goes to Washington. I mean, how many more years does he have left? Three? Two? Yeah, that 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 pick is probably not conveying. Unless Bradley Beal has turned into an MVP and he's still there somehow, right? I, I don't really, I don't think that pick is conveying. Right. So you're thinking they're end up, they're going to end up being bad enough where they're going to be in the top, you know, uh, top ten or so uh, at least through 2026, which is probably right. Although Beal might end up leaving. I mean, who knows? So uh, essentially, yeah, I, the likelihood is more. I would say it's what 60-40 that it's going to be two second rounders. So perhaps that's a wash. And then, so you think we're going to be more in tune with having to decide who wins this trade based on the actual players and their and their production versus the pick? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I, unless John Wall gets re-injured and his career is over, I think Houston wins this trade. Um, okay. You know, I mean this because this isn't this isn't a. I don't think Russ is a sustainable solution for uh, for retaining Bradley Beal. This doesn't this doesn't really fix the dynamic necessarily uh, that has been an issue for them in Washington. Although at least it gets them a player on the floor, which I think they're just so desperate for at this point that they're willing to do whatever. Um, but you know, it's just like maybe Russ is really more valuable because he actually provides the leadership that they need. So you know, this like this trade wasn't a bad trade for anybody. Uh, it's just that I think that the the gains that they're going to get out of it aren't like that aren't aren't substantial to the point that it's some sort of superstar blockbuster that changes the face of the league kind of thing. Sure. Um, but you know what? I mean, the gang sign thing was definitely a real concern with John. Um, the lack of just the lack of like, leadership and accountability with John Wall was a major problem for this team, and it it's something that this it's a really young team with a lot of they like they have a lot of good players that are going to make up the rotation of a good playoff team in the future at some point if they can get that core in order but they need to have somebody leading the team that is going to really show them the way and really hold them accountable and i actually think that russ will be a great fit for that and russ being in a situation where he's playing next to somebody doesn't pound the air out of the ball and bradley beal and bradley beal is like this someone who's really well liked and regarded and works, you know, leads by example and that kind of thing, but isn't really someone that's kind of seen as like a culture setter kind of player. Russ is really renowned for being a culture, culture setter. And at least most of the guys that play with him, they talk about him. Like he's one of the most impactful people that they've ever met in their lives. 
So I think from that sense, it definitely makes a lot from that from that perspective. It's exciting and it makes a lot of sense. And it gives me hope that Washington gets this culture change that turns them into a good defensive team, even though Russell Westbrook has generally been a terrible defender for a while now. Um, that that team is like the worst defense we've ever seen, but they have guys that could be good defenders. And I'm hoping that he just he brings way more to the locker room than he does on the court, and that really breathes life into them. Um, I'm I'll probably end up pushing back on the notion that uh, Russ brings some sort of you know improved culture. I, I don't I don't buy it, but. Uh, I, I think he, he maybe will bring improved intensity, which is another issue, another layer to that, which could help. And I, I certainly think that of all the players that are high-scoring guards that, he, that Russ would have to share a backcourt with, Beal probably is one of the more complimentary uh, players to him because, you know, let's not forget, like, he toiled in obscurity last year and had, you know, one of the best seasons of all time, uh, Beal did. He averaged 30 a game, over six assists. He shot, you know, relatively well considering how hard his shots were. Um, so I, I would anticipate that that's not going to be, um, you know, a, a lot of butting of heads, I would think. But then again, um, that they could all I also could easily see it devolving and becoming a big an issue where they can't get it under control and Scott Brooks can't keep him on the same page. You know, he's no Ted Lasso. And so um, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I don't I, I think it's like maybe like 50, 50, 60, 40 that they keep that locker room together with uh, with how it's going to work. But um, what is the John Wall gang sign thing that you mentioned? Oh, it was uh, a photo of him with a bunch of people at some house party a couple months ago, and he was throwing out the blood sign. And like, oh. I mean, John's done that a bunch and like everyone knows that John's a blood and, you oh. know, it's it's a. Uh, it's like it's not like it's news, but it's obviously it's just it's you know something you just can't do as an NBA player. You can't throw up gang signs. You well, just, if I also you know. am not mistaken, there was a lot of other imagery in that in the, one of the, one of those videos uh, that seemed inappropriate for for an NBA player. If I'm not mistaken, uh, that maybe kids look up to. Am I am I correct in that assessment? Uh, I don't know if you're talking about like naked women or something like that. I mean, yeah, maybe like in drugs and being, Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I don't care about any of that stuff, uh, but yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there was, you know, I, I yeah. mean, you know, if, he, if he's taking up, if he's taking a photo with like a bunch of kilos of Coke on the table, that's one thing. If there's people smoking blunts in the background, I mean, you know, weed's legal in most of the country. I don't think that's a problem. Right. Um, Although, you but, know, we yeah. do know that. That Wall doesn't have the reputation of you know working uh, as hard as he could. Although I think they tried to dispel that notion in these you know videos of him training, which you know he looks like he's moving as well as he used to uh, in those videos. But that again, we have to see it on the floor. Uh, the other thing is you could train you know as hard as you can, and it's, it will not simulate a real game. And for someone who hasn't played for two years, I just wonder how long it's going to take for him to get any semblance of rhythm and, and comfortability out there. Well, I mean, the, the problem with, with John Wall, and I've talked to people that were that like you know have been around John Wall, and they know firsthand that like issue with him isn't that he doesn't work on his craft and stuff like that. Like the dude's an amazing basketball player. You don't you don't you don't do that without going to the gym three hours a day to work on your game. It, the problem with him was that he would party too hard and he wouldn't take care of his body during the off season. He wouldn't stay in shape, and like we know that was a problem because his body fell apart on him because he wasn't taking care of himself. Um, because he would show up to training camp out of shape, you know, when nobody will ever forget, uh, when he showed up for team USA and he was like 30 pounds overweight and looked like he had been on the bender for three weeks. That's because that's exactly what was happening. And you know, that's, there's a lot of players that do stuff like that. There's plenty of players that drink a lot and they party hard and I'm sure they do a lot of drugs. Um, 
and it come, you know, it catches up with a lot of these guys. And some of these guys they're able to put together. I mean, you know, we know James Harden constantly comes out of shape. We know he's a hardcore partier. We know he loves himself a bottle of Hennessy or two. Um, but he somehow is able to stay healthy and to get his body into a zone where even if he still looks like he's out of shape, his cardio is still out of the out of this world. He's able to play at a pretty incredible level. Although then again, he every single year in the playoffs, he tends to flame out pretty early and his team loses because of it. So I guess you know, maybe because of the he has like some of the highest usage of, in NBA history, he needs to, you know, he doesn't have any margin for error. And we know that John has really abused that margin for error. And that's part of why his career has gone the way it has. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I agree. I think that um, I think ultimately the trade might might not be uh, it, it might be hard to figure out who wins it, because I do feel like there are uh, paths where both teams, you know, they, they do better. Now, certainly the Wizards will hey, nobody do better. has to win. You know, it's a mutual trade. It's a both teams are in a shitty situation. They both found a way to help each other out of it. It's a good, it's a mutual trade. Yeah, and it's certainly because you know the Wizards have simply not had John Wall for two years, so they are now going from the an absence of uh, a starting guard to a starting guard. You know, so by by default, like they're going to be better. And you know what's interesting is I'm, I was digging back in the stats, and you know as recently as 2016-17, the Wizards had won 49 games and were fourth in the East and made it to the second round of the playoffs. So that Beal uh, Wall uh, backcourt was you know developing into something you know that was going to be formidable. So it really wasn't that long ago, and that was Scott Brooks coaching them. So uh, we'll have to find out, but I have to imagine that yeah, Brooks. I'm not sure what's going on. Tommy Shepard is is now firmly ensconced as the GM. Um, and they're going to have to figure out what they want to do with the coaching situation because he's been there long enough and me- mediocrity long enough, and I would suspect they're going to continue to be me- mediocre this year. Uh, do you think the Wizards are going to make the playoffs? Um, I mean, I, they'll def- I think they definitely have the talent to make the play-in game. Um, they, you know, the East is pretty deep. It's <laughs> They should be a shoe-in, but they're not because Atlanta could be better than them, and Atlanta is like the eighth-best team in the conference, so they might be – on the outside looking in for the playoff series, but they're definitely right. You know, they're, they're, they're probably in the same place they were last year, but that they're still a much better team than they were last year. It's just that everybody's getting better in the East. And then all the teams are at the top of the East are kind of staying in the same you know, place that they were before. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, but, and I do think that this was probably Brooks's uh, he's in the hot seat as much as anybody else uh, to, for sure. to, to show something, especially with Russ being injected into the lineup and, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes south to start, which it could very well just happen that way because it's hard to get these guys to mesh and it's a shortened training camp and all those things. But, uh, you know, if they end up, um, you know, five and 5- 12, you know, I, they're going to be looking hard. And then if they make that coaching change, uh, that would that pretty much ends the season for them. But speaking of ending the season, uh, I'm not so sure we're going to get anywhere close to the end of the season considering the, how we're starting. I, I think Brady Klopfer said it best on Twitter when he said, you know, they, they should have been trying to travel for the games when, you know, when they started up in August and be doing the bubble now. So doing the bubble now for the start of the new season? Yeah. I mean, look at the cases. Look at how it's, you know, across the country. It's uh, it's much worse now than it was then. And yet the, they're going to try in the midst of this, in the beginning of what will be a most likely a huge surge after the Thanksgiving travels. Uh, you know, I don't know how they're going to make it through the season. Do you? I don't know. <laughs> I, um, I'm surprised that they haven't really expanded rosters 
I mean, I guess that they, um, what do you call it? They're making two way players pretty close to an, you know an extra two players on the roster, but I think they're going to need more. Yeah. And my concern, obviously, is that when one guy gets it, mm-hmm. are they going to shut everything down? I mean, the NFL they've been they've been pretty cavalier with the way that they've been handling it, and even the NFL has been delaying games, doing all sorts of stuff like that. And we know that there's going to be plenty of people that are going to lie and they're going to hide stuff and they're going to do whatever they can to. You know, to you know, they're they're gonna they're not gonna do the right thing. It's that's how it always works. Um, so I, I'm so, I thought they were gonna do regional bubbles or they were gonna do timed bubbles where it would be we're gonna spend three weeks in one city playing fifteen times or something like that, and then we're gonna you know go, take a week or two off and then we're gonna go back to the next one. That's how I thought they would do it. The way that they're talking about doing it now. I mean, most other sporting leagues across the world are doing the same thing, and it's working fairly well. The only concern, obviously, is just that the NBA you're playing in a you're playing in close contact, small quarters, and in, indoors, um, which I, I guess doesn't really make a difference. But yeah, it's I, I expect that there's probably going to be a lot of players sitting out a lot of games, and teams are going to you know your depth to your 15th man is going to have a lot to do with what your win loss record is this year. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I, last I had read about it, they were going to have like depending on where the stadium was, if their uh, the cases were low enough, they'd be allowing to have you know a certain amount of fans in the stadiums while they play, and then obviously in certain areas maybe none just because it, it's too prevalent. Um, but I have to imagine though, uh, you know, another couple of weeks and it'll be too prevalent everywhere. But uh, is that that's was that what you're hearing as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm in Boston, and Bo- Boston is always been really bad because we're a very dense city and um it's i I'm, i can't imagine we're gonna have fans in the stands here i mean our governor put in orders recently for indoor gatherings that would make that would like violate the governor's orders if they if they had a game with fans in it so i don't even know how they're supposed to be doing this i assume they're going to get a specific exemption of some sort uh but i don't know how you even put a thousand people in the stands safely Right. Uh, you know, I haven't heard anything from the NBA about how are they going to do air. Like, here's a huge question: How are they going to do air circulation in the arenas to try to help make it safer? Like, they need to they need to tell us that they're going to be doing something to make it safe for us to be in these arenas together. Because I sure as hell am not going to feel safe. And I, I, me, and plenty of other reporters are talking about: Are we going to games? A lot of us we're not planning on going to games because if we go to games, it means like we can't see our families and stuff like that. Um, oh yeah. So it's and and, be, yeah. and besides, I don't think you get access to the players anyway in the, in the traditional way as it is. So no. what would we no? Play? Apparently, it's going to be like the NFL is doing it, where even if you're in the stadium, you have to do a Zoom call. So I, I, trust me, I very badly want to get into an NBA arena and go watch in person, but I just don't think it's worth the risk if I'm not even getting anything out of being there. Besides seeing my friends from 10 feet away right. and watching the game from the balcony in person. So it doesn't really make any sense to even go in person. Absolutely. Well, what does make sense is everything you just said about this trade. And um, <laughs> I think it, we've gotten some uh, some things cleared up now. Uh, I'm anxious to see what happens to the video. I'm going to finish because uh, I'm in the middle of it and it seems like it's working out pretty well. So make sure to check it out when it's out hopefully later today. Um, but Jared, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. As always, sir. And then we will see you on the next time. And don't forget at B-Ball Breakdown, I guess we'll do it this way. Don't forget sports fans. At B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? 
Are you in, Jared? I'm not in the arena.